Welcome to Ask the Advocate, where mental health advocates share their journeys to advocacy and what it has meant for their lives. Ask the Advocate is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we will hear from Shanta, a mother of three, a clinician, and an advocate. This interview was recorded at the 2017 National Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health Conference in Orlando, Florida. During this recording, you can hear noise in the background from another event in the hotel. Please don't let these noises distract you from Shanta's story. Hello, and thank, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, thank you very much for having me. I'm Teresa Wright Johnson, and I would say that I'm a mother first and then an advocate. Um, I believe motherhood is very challenging and is a business, so I'm kind of known as an advocate and a mom biz boss, and we'll talk about that later. But I'm, I'm a mom of um, children that were born with developmental challenges as well as physical challenges and children that have mental health challenges, learning disabilities, and more. And I advocate for them. And you advocate for them. So, Teresa, tell us a little bit about your advocacy journey. So my journey began, um, I'm the mother of four children. Um, I birthed four children. I unfortunately, but still fortunately, have one living child. So I had several children that died very early on um, when they were birthed. And then my other two children were also preemies. And coming, um, you know, this is November. This is National Prematurity Birth Month, Mm -hmm. Awareness Month. A lot of people don't know that. And with premature children, sometimes you have even greater risk factors. And some of the risk factors that um, happen and that were indicated with my first child, who was Zaria, and I have do so much for Zaria and her name, she was born with various disabilities, more physical and cognitive. Um, She had cerebral palsy as well as metabolic disorders like um, mitochondrial syndrome. She also had seizures, low birth weight, feeding issues, mobility issues, just so many different issues. Mm -hmm. But guess what? I didn't, that did not sway me. I wanted to be a mother. And once I found I was going to be a mother to Zaria, I started getting training at the hospital so that I could be the best advocate for her. So over the years with Zaria, I started my own support group for mothers of color called Special Treasures because I feel that our children are not just special needs children. They are special treasures. They are treasures that open us up, expand us, push us way beyond our comfort zones and stuff. And so I did that um, with Zaria. And Zaria, unfortunately, um, passed away. She had a seizure at school and passed away some years ago. However, um, the journey of her from birth to seven years old has got me to help hundreds, thousands of women and families through different organizations, speaking, training, coaching, learning, and advocating. And I would have never done that without that journey of Zaria. So Zaria had all those special needs, and she also um, opened me up to stuff that I never knew of. You know, I knew about special needs a little bit because my mom, when I was little, worked in group homes. And I didn't even know that it was a group home I was going to because back in the day, I ended up having a single mom that was divorced. I just, well, you could go to work with your mom, <laughs> you know, but that compassion that was instilled in me as a child it really helped me with my child with special needs. Then that special needs group and um, different organizations. I work with Mocha Moms, which is a national organization for women of color that put their children and their families first with children with special needs. That was my role um, when I was doing things for that. But then Zaria had a little sister named Jade that was born. Okay. 
and Jay was a few years younger. But when Jay was born, again, she was another premature birth. So I have to be on bed rest, all these different things to have children. And when when Jay was born, she was typical. She was just a low weight, birth weight baby. But then as she started getting older, she wasn't crawling. She took a long time to walk. I learned about a, diff- uh, a lot of different things with Zaria that helped me with Jade. Right. And so Jade ended up being very physically functioning, but emotionally, she was the baby that never stopped crying, that I took to the hospital and she didn't have colic. She was the baby when I would leave with people, you know, her godmother or whatever, they would say, um, call me, she's still crying. Uh, okay, she was the baby banging her crib up against the, the wall, not just crying to get out, she was banging it. So this led me from the journey of with Zaria, I ended up getting all these certifications for um, special needs, being a special needs trainer for the Department of uh, Developmental Disabilities or Babies Can't Wait, the early intervention mm-hmm. for Georgia, for Zaria. But then transitioning to Jade was totally different because she didn't have developmental disabilities. I wasn't working with IEPs anymore. That's when I learned about the 504 plans and all that okay. stuff. So me getting educated to help my children, starting off with Zaria, helped me to educate other people, but it helped me even more more for Jade. And so now I have Jade and she doesn't mind. Jade says, you know, what I can always say is that Jade experiences ADHD and some behavioral challenges, but highly functioning, has been placed in AP classes, very smart girl. But if I wouldn't have never had the experience of Zaria and all this training and support that we get from other mothers and organizations we just don't know, I would never know how to function or help Jade. And that's why I'm here today at the National Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health um, yearly conference is because of Jade. She's my why for this. And so I've been able to advocate now for parents to have children with dual diagnoses, whether it's developmentally or mental health. I definitely don't want to be a therapist or any of that nature, but I have so much training that I know that God and whomever you want to call it gave it to me to help my children, but other people. And I just can't imagine not sharing that. And I can't imagine parents not understanding once they learn how to advocate for their children, that they are their child's number one advocate because nobody's going to advocate for your baby, that part of you like you yeah so as a mom advocate what would you say is if you had to talk to and you can fill in this blank with whoever you were addressing one group and I know you've addressed a lot of groups what would you want them to know about your your experience as a mother of children with mental health challenges wow so many things you want them to know the the one is that mom, that, that guilt you might have that some, why is my child like this? Or how are people going to look at my child and all those things? I want them to know that find the treasure in your child mm-hmm. because those hard days when, you know, maybe you have a child that experiences some behaviors or disabilities and it's a little bit slower. If you can have that treasure kind of in your head, mm-hmm. those days when they don't seem like a treasure. <laughs> When they don't seem like a treasure, you have something to refer back to because even though it may be hard, the way that you have to deal with them, how they deal with you, and as society looks at them, they're your gift. Yeah. And you have to find the gift that they are for you and the treasure in them. You talked about this because and, and the days that they seem like they're that you are just questioning the universe. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about one of those days and, oh, I definitely and how can. you I, I definitely work can. Through? 
Um, one, making I work through it because I have a great support system. I, mm-hmm. I engage with other mothers that may experience some of the same things so that I have someone to vent to, one, that understands me. Learned that very early on with Zaria. When um, my friends with typical two-year-olds would talk to me about their two-year-old, but my two-year-old, Zaria, was really still at three, four months. They couldn't understand. So go seek out those supports that are particularly going to be able to support you. Mm-hmm. So even with Mocha Moms, it was not a special needs thing, but it was for stay-at-home moms at a time at one point for black mothers. That is who I am. So I'm going to go seek them out. So with with the child that is especially in a particular experience, um, one of my children is very, the emotional part is very hard. Sometimes she has so many things going on that it is overwhelming for me. I was just sitting in a training and I was telling them, though I'm all I'm trained to be a mental health instructor, a certified parent peer specialist, a, a suicide prevention gatekeeper, all that. When it's my baby, yeah. it's a total different thing. I remember those formats. I remember those structures. I remember those systems. But it's not the same. Yeah. So you got to make sure you have support because there are days where I have to walk away sometimes crying. Mm-hmm. From my child. I mean, she hadn't done anything to me physically, but my heart is hurt because you see what they're going through and they might not even be able to see it. And you know the treasure you have. But right now it looks more like the garbage truck. Yeah. And I would say the the amount of support you have is very important. And just being real and remembering where is that sacred space that treasure where you have to think back about it because sometimes you want to just throw in the towel because we don't show motherhood being difficult we show motherhood with this pretty baby and the little kids outside playing and when you have a child with a need you have fewer days of that and more days of questioning why me why my child yeah so I think like to have that support system, to be able to vent with other women that understand or can listen to you, groups that understand you, and the same for your child is important. So my number one piece would be have a support system, have somewhere you can go, and all, and then, of course, remembering that treasure because even though it's H-E double hockey sticks or whatever you call it, <laughs> we have to figure out a way to go back to the, the gift in it because it's so very hard, especially with... The mental health yes. versus the the developmental disability, yeah. especially um, in so certain cultures. Being a mother of color myself, when I had my daughter with cerebral palsy, it was easier for people to see because she couldn't walk sometimes. She couldn't do stuff. But when they see my child over here having a meltdown, you better get that baby, get a beat. No, you know, get her. She can't got no manners or whatever. Yeah. That invisible disability is so hard. So the other thing, I, I know all women can't do it, but when you have a child with a need, mm-hmm. sometimes you got to put on a tough skin mm-hmm. because people say things. So that support, that treasure, and that tough skin. That, that brings up a good and important point um, because especially as mothers of color, so many of us, we are experiencing not just our own internal what I call your internal voice, but then you literally have the external voice telling you what you should be doing, what you should know. How do you advocate for yourself as a mother? Because you're a fierce mom advocate. I know you're a fierce mom. How do you advocate for yourself? My, for taking care of myself? Yeah, taking care. It could be taking care of yourself or, or, or standing up for you. Again, one, you have to make write down um, your own rules. 
who and what do you stand for? What's important for you? Because I'm Teresa. I might look not look like the other Teresa down the road. Mm-hmm. That's an African-American woman. What are my values? What's important to me? And what's important to me is that I, that I live up to who I authentically am and who my family is. That's mm-hmm. one. And then two, being able to really sit and think about what really is important, what's not. Mm-hmm. Like really what, you know, the picture. Because we're women, I don't care what color you are. A lot of us fall into this picture thing. And guess what? How much do I really care about that picture? Or what it, do I care more about reality and being happy? Mm-hmm. So that's one. But as a fierce advocate, I really try to think about major. I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Because I know what's going on inside of my house mm-hmm. and inside of my mind and what I have to take care of. Like being here at the Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health event. A lot of people, they're like, well, they don't understand that. But I don't care. It's about my need. So have put on that tough skin again. The way that I, the fearless advocate that takes care of me is I think of myself. I put on a tough skin. I do take care of myself. Self-care. I have um one, one of the... Um, presentations I speak about sometimes is life beyond advocacy. Because at some point, you can't just advocate for your child and do everything for your child. Mm-hmm. Else you want to sit over here and you want to have a breakdown or something too. So that tough skin and not worrying about what others think and taking care of you and your family, but remembering yourself too, because so many mothers forget about themselves. What's your self-care pleasure? My self-care pleasure is, oh, I have so many, but because I do all kinds of stuff, but my self-care pleasure really is just quiet space because I'm a talker and I'm always with people. So if I can go on a trip and be away or if I can go, I just recently started doing yoga and meditation mm-hmm. and that has been great, like wonderful, a way to do it. it. You might not have funds or something to do things or time. A quick hot shower with some music. And I think really music is one of my main things and ways of self-care. Because you can get whatever mode you want. Dancing. I think we think about self-care as if it has to be the spa all the time. And it doesn't. Or it has to be all these extra things. Just little things to take care of ourselves. Because dealing with all of this advocacy and these children that experience various needs. They experience those that's not who they are. And that's why I say, remember that treasure. Remember who it is. As a matter of fact, my daughter's name is Jade for a reason. Because she's a treasure. Let me remember. She's a treasure. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you like have to that. figure it out. So, so, so I have two last questions. And then I want you to tell us a little bit about your organization. And, you know, the shout out for your organization. Where we can reach you and everything. What's your most laughable moment? Because a lot of this, for me, one of my self-care pleasures is just being able to sit back and sometimes just laugh at what's going on. What's your most laughable moment? When your child that experiences, you know, a mental health challenge or behavioral health challenges calls you on stuff. Hey. That's the most laughable moment. Like they have to tell you to slow down mm-hmm. or tell you to do something. And you hear them repeat back how you talk to them or deal with them. Mm-hmm. That is the most laughable moment because like you really want to tell them no. But you know really like guess what? They got some of this from somebody. And it might not be that you have a mental health diagnosis. But some of the stuff that we um, complain about our children or are concerned about, they're mirroring our personalities. Mm-hmm. And so that for me is the most laughable moment. So for me, I'm always moving and shaking. And my daughter, um, she's a mover shaker, but she's a little slower. You have to prompt, you know, prompt her, like do this or that. But she has to tell me, mommy, you need to slow down. I'm surprised. Yesterday at the conference, she said, I'm surprised you ain't lose your cell phone yet. (laughs) So 
that was like, oh, okay. I said, well, you know, when I'm not with you, because this is her first conference she's been to as um, an attendee where she's engaging by herself. Son. I said, but mommy travels all the time. I, I have my phone all the time. She said, well, I'm surprised. Yeah, she's watching you. Yeah, she watching because she's seen me put things down and do different things. So that's my most laughable so she's moment. She's seeing you reflecting you back. And, and she, which is really good because that not caring what people think mm -hmm. has been a little bit better for her with dealing with some of her challenges. But she's learned that from me. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. That's important. So, is there one particular organization, group that you want to do a shout out, you oh, want to yeah. talk about right now? So, since I'm at the Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health Conference, I'm going to talk about my organization. It's Younger Years and Beyond. We are a local chapter of the Federation of Families for Children's Mental Health. You would find us on um, Facebook right now and just, you know, type in the Younger Years and Beyond or Younger Years and Beyond. And we are a local chapter that focuses on mental health and behavioral health challenges for children starting at preschool through beyond. I started this chapter when Jade was four or five years old when I realized something was going on and I wanted to, to grow with her. And that's why it's called the Younger Years and Beyond. We offer support um, free and sliding fee scale because we're a family-run organization. We have a fiscal agent, so we do have a nonprofit status that we're under right now. And we um, provide services for IEPs, 504 plans, but most of all, training to parents as well. So I'm a former um, trainer for several organizations in Georgia, as well as a university for parents with children with special needs, as well as some of my board members. Um, many of my board members also are very versed in um, mental health professionals and stuff. Mm -hmm. So we just do very what we can, but we mostly have a lot of events. Um, we are a family-run organization, okay. meaning we are family-funded and very smallly granted grants here and there. Mm -hmm. We're trying to decide on going after more. But pretty much we have three events each year. One is a, a mental health awareness event for children. Then we have a, a business one, mm -hmm. like connecting organizations. And then this year, we're going to have a virtual mental health awareness event for children and families. So we're going to have a family track and we're going to have a children's track. And I actually been at this, this conference and I booked like two or three ladies um, to already speak. So we definitely are going to talk to your agency about all that you do because <laughs> we know we're about the motherhood thing here. So that's what we do. You find us on Facebook, Younger Years and Beyond. And if you can't find us there, you can always look through Zaria's song and that's Z-A-R-I-A-S-S-O-N-G like Zaria's song because Zaria's song and the Younger Years and Beyond are kind of connected because developmental disabilities and mental health because the money is separated, right. people always separated, but generally you have dual diagnosis. This, we call it the pathway. Right. There's, there's many pathways, and a lot of them go through mental health. Right. Or lead to. Um, we will be sure to provide links to both of those. Um, on our site, we have a resource link, and we also, once we put up your podcast, we will provide links. So anybody who listens to this, um, can link one more. Go ahead. One more. The one other thing that I wanted to say is we also offer trainings for mental health first aid. We okay. are a mental health. I'm a certified mental health national first aid instructor, and we are adding on. We do it for adults mm -hmm. right now, but we are adding on the children mental health first aid. And we know where our community, our society, and our world is right now. So very important that we get that information out there to communities, families, organizations, schools, etc. That is very true. Mental health first aid. We can use that training. 
everywhere, teachers, mm -hmm. coaches, other parents. Well, thank you very much. I mean, this has been a pleasure. This has been, and, and I hope to continue to talk to you and, and work with you um, in the future. So, right. I'm so excited. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm so excited. I love your green. Y'all can't see it, but she's greened out all for mental health awareness. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. You have been listening to Ask the Advocate, copyrighted in 2018 by Mothers on the Frontline. Today's podcast host was Deanne Bensonsmith. The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts and this and other series relating to children's mental health, Go to mothersonthefrontline.com or subscribe on iTunes, Android, Google Play, or Stitcher.